Welcome to the Catfish and Crappie Podcast. My name is Mark. Today, I got a great guest. I'm looking forward to talking to Mr. Corey. How do you say your last name again, Corey? It is Bechtold. Bechtold. Remember Bechtold. that, folks, you're going to see great things from Corey here. And he owns a, a, um, a jig company, Macula Tackle, correct? That's correct. Macula Tackle. We're definitely going to talk about all that. I saw you on uh, uh, Luke and Chewy's podcast, uh, Old Carver Fishing Podcast, and I'm like, I got to get Corey on the show, and you guys are going to love him to death. Man's got a lot to say. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of bright ideas. He's going to spend an hour with us and i want to thank him again Corey. let's talk about fishing bud where are you at i am located kind of in central minnesota in, in a smaller town called big lake so big lake minnesota is my hometown right now grew up in buffalo though so just a little bit south of here is where i grew up and, and you know what, what what was the name of the town from a uh, grumpy old men that you mentioned before the show started w wabasha Wabasha. I meant to bring that up when we were talking. I didn't want to disturb you, but man, I love that movie. Every time I see that movie, I think of, I spent some time up in Minnesota when I was a, a young man fishing. Uh, my dad hated fishing. My grandfather was a fisherman, but my dad would always make sure to take me and the whole family out there and, and spend a week up there. Fish like Big Winnie quite a bit. So, Oh, you went up, up north there. a little ways then. Yeah. I was actually just up there in that direction uh this past weekend so we can discuss that too we can discuss whatever you want yeah you know what i i talked to brian browsdale a little bit when he was on panfish wow. station he was saying uh how it's changed over time because it was a totally different place when i was there yeah. so uh, i don't know it's interesting i haven't been up that way in a while i've been wanting to get up there maybe this fall or winter i don't know man i love ice yeah. i love fishing i'm not the biggest ice fisherman in the world but i think i gotta make it up there Ice fishing, in a way, is I don't want to say it's a cult, but it's a cult. I mean, it is. there are, and, and and it is a, it's a, it's it's one of them sports that um, you don't need to have like a one ton truck to pull a big, you know, big monster boat with a three hundred horsepower motor and all this fancy stuff. It is a sport kind of for the average guy or gal that just wants to just wants to learn and have a good time with it. So it's it's perfect for drinking beer. It's uh -huh. perfect for if you want to get better at fishing or learn more about fishing, you can get after it and chase it, drill a hundred holes. Um, you can fish any species, but it's a social event too. So some people only ice fish and do like some of these little derbies where you have a, you know, basically you stand in line if you have a fish and based on the size of the fish, like the hundredth biggest fish wins a truck and something. So, so it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of one of them sports where, I mean, basically, all you need is uh, something to drill a hole in the ice. If, if you can afford it, get some electronics, you know, a small rod and reel, and away you go. You can do it. So it's 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 a it's a budget fisherman's uh, dream. You exactly. You don't need a boat, and I think that's part of why a lot of guys really like ice fishing, especially if it's available to them for a good part of the winter. Um, you don't you don't need that boat, and you're going to get out in those spots you can't reach from the bank, and you've been waiting to do that all year. So absolutely. And a, a Mora ice hole, a Mora ice auger doesn't cost you that much either. I think you can pick one up for like 40 bucks and you're good to go. Yep, absolutely. And the Mora is actually one of the fastest cutting. So I, mm -hmm. I do say like uh, electric drills have really come along huge and they've changed how all auger companies are actually functioning. So Strike Master, Jiffy, uh, there's a few other brands that have done uh, a actual um electric version so it's not using a an electric drill it's using a you know an handled version so like everyone has done that but yeah if you 
if you just want to get into it, they make an adapter. And I do recommend getting a six inch or smaller on the Mora because it's easier on the drill. And quite mm-hmm. honestly, you don't need much bigger than a six inch hole unless you're targeting um, lake trout, walleyes, pike, some bigger game. Let, let me let you in on a little secret with me. I'll, if I'm sitting in front of a 10 inch hole, I'm a little worried. I ain't gonna <laughs> <Yes. lie. laughs> That's going to swallow a child. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I've stepped in enough of them to know because my big old size 13 feet fit in a 10 inch hole somehow. I always end up twisting them, but they always go in. Let me thank Crappy Day Fish on for the super chat. He says he's uh, he had a one up Freddy with the five dollar one cent super chat. Choo choo, what's going on? Thank you, my friend. I, I appreciate it. So, yeah, they've come a long way. I got a first gen ion, which I adore. I can get like 80 holes out of a battery still out of a 40. I think it's a 40 volt battery. I'm not sure. Yeah, something. Could, it's a battery. But it works. It's pretty heavy, though, uh, and the new ones are way light, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and lightweight is just kind of one of those things where everybody in the – once you if you're into a chasing, if you're into chasing fish, that lightweight is just where you have to be because as soon as you're, you know, overloaded, weighted down, it just – you start looking around and it's like, you know what, I'm just going to wait for the fish to make their loop back and get back to me. I'm not going to go chase them. You know, it's just, it, it can be a lot of work. It's as much work as you really want to put into it. Yeah. You're, you're not kidding. It's a little, it, it, yeah, it depends. I like to be warm. So I need to bring the pop-up and I need to bring the heater and you got to have extra propane. And you mentioned beer already. That weighs a little bit. It adds up, but just a little bit. Yeah. If I lived a little further North, I'm like right on the ice fishing line where we don't get as much ice fishing time as you guys do up there. Uh, so I try to get out when I can. So yeah, yeah, we definitely have a long season up here and it's kind of crazy. You did mention Winnie and from where I am in the state to Lake Winnie, it's usually about an extra month of ice fishing. You get up there at least a month because they usually get iced a little bit earlier, especially on the smaller lakes. And then, you know, they're, they have such longer cold spells and stuff that the ice gets very thick so that like, um, uh, if we're in a boat down here, kind of like if, as soon as the ice goes, if you wanted to, you could easily drive North up to the Winnie area Mm -hmm. and, and still be able to drive on some of them lakes most years. So it's kind of crazy in our area, how, there is a line um, and you, you get above that line. It's actually basically north of Brainerd and your ice season is extended. <laughs> I always get like this at the beginning of winter. I get a little excited about it, and, and but it's going to be a, at least another two months before I can do any serious ice, at least in two, maybe three months, but it, it'll come. Kim Burnett stopped in. Kim Burnett's a pretty good uh, fly tire. Maybe he can tie some stuff up on some of your jigs. That would be cool to see. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your tournament fishing. You're, you do a lot of, uh, like panfish tournaments, don't you? Yep. Pretty much. I have done walleye tournaments as well. Uh, but that was kind of before, you know, it's, it's like you evolve as a fisherman. All of us have, I think, I bet you every viewer will, will go like, Hey, I used to be like, you know, my grandpa brought me, my uncle brought me, somebody brought me and you kind of, you kind of get that little bit of a, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, I did it. I'm doing it, but I'm basically doing what they showed me. And it, there comes a point in your life or in your fishing life where maybe you finally get that bug, you know, it's, it's there, it's, it's in you. And you're like, well, all I've ever done like me uh, was my dad used to put some skid house, you know, eight by eight house out on a lake or something like that and drill the holes and we'd sit and wait. 
So until I really was like, you know, I love fishing, but the mobility side of things like um, uh, being able to drill your own holes, getting out there and trying to figure out these fish. That's where my game started to just go up a notch. And then it's like, then it became like a, a craving. Like you, you wanted more and more and more information, like the freaking movie, the lawnmower man or something, you know, just the more you can get like your, your brain, your mind expands and you just get more and more excited about it because it's everything. So, I mean, I kind of grew up, my dad was like a pike fisherman, open water. They used to ship me down to fish with my great uncle because, you know, because, you know, they didn't have the time to bring me. My, my great uncle was down in the Montgomery, uh, New Prague area of Minnesota, and they have phenomenal panfish lakes down there. And that's what he did. And he's like, man, everyone drives north for big panfish and they're down here. So I had like the best of both worlds. I had the, that pike thing, you know, and then, you know, some tip up fishing for pike. But the panfish thing was kind of like one of them seeds that was in me um, from fishing with my great uncle. And then it, then it kind of was like expanding. Like you, you start to get good at something. And it's like, well, wait, I want to do that now. I, you know, I have musky rods. I rarely do it. But, you know, it's a thing where every once in a while I might just go, hey, guess what? I want to go figure them out. I want to go chase these things like everyone else is doing. But it, it seems like for the most part, the mainstay was uh, panfish was huge. Pike was huge for me. Uh, I started to get really good at like mostly panfish, but then I really want to expand my world with walleyes. So I started chasing walleyes and that was like one of the first wall, uh, tournaments we ever won without putting lead weights in, in fish or anything like that. We could, we don't even need to discuss that. Everyone knows what we're talking about, we but do. you know, it was uh, South Dakota too, out of any place to go walleye fishing. And what happened is year one, we kind of, we were doing all right. And it's like, we want to just finish mid pack or do we want to try to win and you try to win and then you fail and you know because you have to swing for the fence man jim told me he didn't get to where he was for laying down a bunt or trying to do a bloop sinkler or anything like that that dude was going up to kill it every time that's what every tournament fisherman has to do you're going you know so after year one of that wally tournament he was like you know what next year we're not failing we're going to go dominate this thing and we didn't dominate it but day one um we were actually pretty low in the field but i was looking at the weights and everyone was super super close and it's like wait i think all we really need it's it's a couple bigger fish and we're right there and thankfully day two we actually were able to put together that pattern because the weather changed and uh waves were insane and not everyone had the boat control skills and that's where we came back from behind and won so you know winning a walleye tournament getting into tournament fishing a little bit started to do some uh panfish type tournaments there was one in particular it was uh my my parents moved up to a lake and they had a a tournament series and this was open water before uh-huh. i'll talk about ice fishing and you know it was like one of those you could enter anything so basically you buy a button and everyone's in entered so if you accidentally caught like something big um you i mean whatever bring it in the way it and you had a yeah. chance to win a prize so not a derby because it was still based on weight at that time. So um, my dad was a diehard bluegill guy at that point. He kind of converted from the pike and then was like, I don't like cleaning them slimy things. And, and uh, he really got into the bluegills, especially on that lake that they lived on. So that's all he wanted to fish. Well, I, I'm like, we could do anything in this tournament. And I was kind of like developing at that point on my crappie skills. I had them for ice. I had them in spring, like everyone gets them mm-hmm. in spring. And then, you know, when the when the bite is super easy. 
but it was like those where you try to develop your skills in the open water world. Um, that's where I was like, God, why it's so hard to win a, a bluegill division because all the weights were super close. I mean, you're splitting. Yeah. You're ten, tenths of a pound. You're looking at between them, right? Yeah. And so we would do well in bluegills and then we would barely finish out of the money. And I started to look at the crappie division after about, I don't know, like four years of fishing with my dad in that tournament and been like, you know, I think we should try to get the crappies. I mean, the weights are, it seems like they fluctuated a lot and, mm -hmm. and, and now I could tie into why. Um, and I was like, I think we can do this. And we happened like in the one tournament, it was towards the end. And uh, what, what happened was um, they split up your weights. So even though our limit at the time was 10 crappies, they would, you would weigh five. And then if you weighed a second, you could, you could enter twice. So because of your limit, so then uh -huh. you could have a second five. But then they would take your two weights combined and then total them together. And you had a chance to win a bonus pot of total stringer. And I was kind of learning a little bit more about panfish, crappies especially. Kind of gave up on live bait. Uh, sorry, people, if you're a live bait uh, purist or something like that. I kind of went straight up. You know, no, I'm not doing live bait anymore. I, have, I, haven't, bought a, I haven't bought a minnow. And like I bought some just a couple of weeks ago to try. And I ended up not using them. Hey man, I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. You're, you and I are probably related somehow. Maybe, maybe. Here, let me Weird thank two names. people. I got two people here that have been members here for quite some time. I'll say hello to Stephanie over at Real Gals Fishing. She's been a supporter for nine months. And I see that her husband Richard's been a supporter for 14 months. Thank you very much, guys. God's truck. That's a little saying we have here. It's a long story, but I need to make sure I shout them out. But yeah, I get exactly what you're talking about. I mean, live bait is is good. It's a great way to get in. But when you want to step up your game and get into some little bigger fish and maybe even a, more of a challenge, yep. you I, I think getting into the artificial is the way to go. It, yeah, especially it's, for like panfish and even I have a goal to get a flathead on a crankbait. That's one of my goals. Okay, and, so. and any anything can happen. And again, it's all about your presentation and getting it, and getting your offering down to these fish. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna reel back just a little bit into that tournament. And uh, I just told my dad I was like, hey, you know, there wasn't much time left, but we need five crappies just to see, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, this 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 break line was decent. There was some deep water nearby, and I'm like, hey, these docks look good. And this is kind of like I started at that right before then to try to really figure out dock fishing and uh, we don't have the like what you have in the southern reservoirs and stuff where the you skip or shoot underneath like yeah uh, and it's 15 feet deep oh no um not very many body or docks up here have that depth so but it was still intriguing to me and i started to you know figure this out and uh this dock we of course started banging like a couple or i did right away and i'm like holy crap i need like two more well, of course, the people that were on their shoreline all of a sudden see some boat go by, catch a couple of fish. So, oh, my God, kids, grab your rods and they, you know, come running out on the dock. And then it's like they're casting. And we we had moved off because obviously, you know, it's their dock, you know. Right. But they start casting out. And I'm like, they're, they're, they're under your feet, you know. <laughs> so went to the next dock and we finished up, a, you know, a five fish um, bag. And, and actually that year that one bag got me like second place and i'm like oh my gosh we really got to do this so um at, at that point i believe my kids were starting to get a little bit older and so like the next year it was like well hey you know maybe i can you know bring i'll have brooke with me my daughter 
And I'll give you my son, Cole, who's, you know, three years younger, but he's a, he was a stud fisherman. And, you know, just at a young age, you just, you know, you bring a kid along and they, he starts to figure it out and gets good at it. And so we started to, you know, split up. Um, and my dad would do, go do the bluegill thing. And it was perfect for Brooke because there was tons of action. You're always catching fish. And my son and I started to, um, you know, do very well in the crappie side. And uh, we, we just, that tournament started, um, it was like on and off. Like one year, it was like, what's going on? I actually did uh, message Doug Stangy about doing a where. Oh, hold on a second. Lost your audio. Oh, lost you. Oh, there you are. You're back. Yep. Yeah. My friend Robbie from Florida started to call me. Well, oh, um, you can't say Doug Stangy and then go quiet. Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I messaged him because what was happening is I'd go pre fish and then come the tournament, it was like I the, the fish that we had were just gone. And I'm like, what in the heck's going on? You know, they where do they disappear to? Because, you know, when you smash them, when it's pre-spawn, it's one thing. When they're locked on their beds, crappies are not that easy. No. And I'm sure you know that. I mean, they, if you, you see them and they're on a bed, good luck. You yeah. Know, you basically have to absolutely piss them off by holding that bait on their nose perfectly. And, and even when they finally just suck it, they'll spit it out faster than you could even yeah, jump They're back. just moving it out of their way is pretty much all oh they're doing. Yeah. So, but anyways, I, I, the reason I, I messaged Doug, cause I'm like, whatever happens after the spawn, why, why does the bike get so tough for like two or three weeks? That's why everyone who, you know, is like, you know, who am a Wally fisherman? I, I get all the crappies I need in the spring because they don't know how to fish them in the summer. Um, I mean, some are, are good fishermen and, and like to do it, but most people give up on fan fish because as soon as it gets tough, when they go on their beds and then there's a little window when they're post-spawn where it's absolutely tough too. It's just the weeds are coming up and they're still in their areas. Now they're just in the jungle yeah. and it's until they maybe move to an edge or anything. But uh, Doug, I said, do you should do a show on, you know, not just catching fish, but why does it, why does, why does fishing get tough? And he's like, that's a great idea. Of course, we've never seen a show about, you know, the post-spawn blues and, and how do you get fish when they just, they don't want nothing to do with anything. Um, and I figured it out. So for the people watching, this is going to be your, you know, oh my gosh, this one time I talked to this dude, um, they don't, they don't go deep. I had friends that were, that we became friends because it was always our same names in the tournaments. And they were always like, you know, oh, we had, you know, 13 ounce, 14 ounce crappies all going in this one lake. And then they just, they must've went deep. They must've went deep. And then we're all standing in line to wear fish. And they looked down in my bag and they're like, where'd you get your crappies? I figured it out. They don't go, they don't all go deep. Nope. Every, everybody who's a novice, I should say, fisherman, not, you know, not even the mindset is when it gets tough and I can't find them, they must be on deep water and I can't find them out there or their needle in the haystack. There's a group of two or three or whatever. Uh -huh. they're just roaming. They go shallower. They go shallower than everyone would ever believe. I was shooting so far under docks and like I had to use like a 132nd was kind of my mainstay with like a, in, well, the gulp alive one inch minnows are just amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And, uh, but I think at the time I was trimming down a two inch power minnow because at that time the gulp stuff wasn't really here. And, and it was hard to find that good in between bait for uh fall rate 
because obviously you don't want a heavy jig get under a dock and it goes down to the bottom right you still you have to get your bait underneath there close your bail get your rod up to start watching your line because that bait has to float and go through the water and then all i mean these fish would just be i think what happens this is just my mindset of doing this for a long 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 time is that you know they're exhausted after the spawn they're, that's they're what i was like, thinking i'm out you know yep i'm just chilling and the best place to find them chilling is as near docks because they can hide because of shade they have the dock pipes so they don't have to move too far if a pike rolls by they just like i'm i'm gonna hide behind this thing yeah pretty much you know, they can they can do some things where you know out in the main lake they're, they're not going to have the opportunity to hide from the pike the walleys, the bass the things that might be chasing them down and uh it just kind of became like a complete eye-opener to me as to that's that's where i started to absolutely and they they actually kind of quit doing the tournament and and it's not because of me. it's just the locals and other people that were staying at the resorts and everything said they were you know well why do we enter this tournament when it's always these same people winning yeah. all the time you know and in a way it's like you know hey fishing ain't always easy uh, but it's like you know and what what am i supposed to do back out of the tournament because i have some knowledge you know it was kind of i don't want to say it was it wasn't a huge bag um but they they stopped doing the tournament and well actually take that back they decided all right when they had all the complaints about the same people winning they said this is what we're going to do now you bring your fish in you don't even weigh them you just show us here's your five yep okay here's your little ticket they hand it to you and then you go get another five or if you had 10 in your live or whatever you'd get two tickets basically raffle tickets and they would go in the thing and then they'd roll it around and they'd be all right. And the winner is on the crappies. And that year, the first year, the only year they did it. Cause then the tournament was done after that. I, me and my wife fished that tournament together and we got first and second in crappies. Uh, they get, did away with the total stringer. Uh -huh. um, and we also, because of how we were fishing, um, we were getting catfish in the mix on our baits. We got, first and fourth in catfish <laughs> so we got first and second crappies just by drawing names because you still had to bring in your fish so not that many crappies were registered because they're tough post-spawn yeah. and then the catfish were pre-spawn and actually i've learned a lot about catfish i actually would like to pick your brain a little bit but they spawn tremendously late every yeah. way long on like end of august and there's still catfish like behind my dad's boat just sitting there just like you look at them just like oh here they come again and there's they're still spawning and it was towards the end of august i'm like what catfish spawn is a depressing time for me i'm not gonna lie i even decided that i'm gonna chase summer walleye in the middle of the catfish spawn i chase a lot of flatheads channel cats i chase in the spring a lot and probably about this time of year but man that spawn is rough yeah if you can hit them in the you hit them in the head you might you'll get them to bite but other than that nah, yeah happen. well again it, it's uh, it's no different than almost any other fish that is spotting when they are tough like that it has to be absolutely on their nose just mm -hmm. enough where they're like yeah i gotta get this out of here they're not really wanting to eat it they just want to move it away from the area they're wanting to spawn so they put it in their mouth swim away if you have a bobber on hey I'm gonna bite you know and that's why you end up with a catfish um, and they usually will try to spit it out but uh, uh it was kind of funny um when i was testing out some of these new colors that i came up with you will get there <laughs> um 
I, I brought this neighbor kid that actually helps me make some of my jigs right now. Okay. And he had, he had never caught a big catfish. He's, his parents were originally from Iowa. So they fish a lot of rivers down there. And he was telling me about, oh, we get catfish when we go to Iowa. And I'm like, have you ever got a big one? Three, four pounds or whatever. And uh, we were testing out some colors that I'm, I'm playing with for Mac to the Tackle. We'll get there. Uh -huh. um, and he, with the smallest one I have, size 10. Size 10 is more my ice fishing, my slow fall crappie, my uh, bluegill under a bobber. It's a, it's a very, very versatile size. We were catching catfish and was, he catches like a, God, that dang thing must have been pushing 10 pounds and for a channel, a channel know, number 10 hook that's a that's a task right there oh yeah it was just amazing and i think i did share a photo with you that was the same day and that fish was probably in that you know six eight pound range or something like that and again on a tiny little jig because it's what they were feeding on it's knows, matching, yep. it was matching the hatch everyone's probably heard that term before match the hatch I do it all the time. Thank you, Jody, for the super chat. Jody, Jody says, what the crappy is going on? <laughs> I like Jody. <laughs> Lots of crappy things. <laughs> the Lots weather's crappy. Stuff. We had last night, do you want to believe this stuff? We had like this wind come up and something about some wildfire somewhere. We had a thunderstorm last night. I mean, it, we had a couple of lightning strikes like over our house where my wife like woke up like, like, like a cat on it. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, it was like uh, they talked about it in our news. Like the cars this morning were covered in almost like a. I mean, it just looked like you drove across North Dakota on all gravel roads and then ran into a rainstorm and parked your car. So that was just the ash from the fires, huh? I don't know what they are calling it, but it was a mess. Oh, um, yeah, so I had to wash my truck just to go drive to go deer hunting because I mean I wouldn't have been able to see out my windows. It was a. It was not that it was like like what you would see in the aftermath of a volcano going off, but it was, it was enough where it was like, man, and if you see all the cars going down the road and you could tell their wipers, wipers <laughs> are going on making a mess. Yeah. Day. It's kind of a mess last night, but oh, well, crappy weather, but. Hey, look, there's my buddy Lyle from catfish weekly. He's been a member for 18 months. Thank you for your support, Lyle. I appreciate it. My friend Lyle's a good dude. He's my co-host or I'm his co-host. Sorry about that. Lyle. I'm panfish nation. We got to get you on that. I think Lyle, will have a good time talking with you on there. There you go. That'll be a good time. We'll have you on there too, man. I really do love it up, up North. It's so it's such a different world up there. I mean, that even when you were talking about the fishing derby with the raffle tickets, that's as about as Minnesota as it gets. Maybe a hot dish should be a little more Minnesota than that. But as long as it has chili cheese Fritos, you know, to add to the top. Because <laughs> when I become governor of Minnesota, that's going to be the state law. Is if, <laughs> if, you, if you want to eat a hot dish or a chili, you have to have chili cheese Fritos. <laughs> I'll, I'll be more than happy to take care of that, too. Look at that. There's Fishing with Chad. He's 18-month supporter, too. I got a lot of good people support me. I appreciate each and every one of them, even Chad. Mm -hmm. So good deal. Yeah. Um. So uh, that kind of covers the tournament stuff. Um. You mentioned catfish. Do you do a lot of catfishing up there? Uh, I do. And actually, the lake that I was talking about just a little while ago uh, has gotten extremely popular for ice fishing. Um, catfish through the ice is a total different ball game, man. Um, because you know when you hook them and you're in your boat or whatever, you can chase them around a little bit and bring them in. Uh, when you have to get it up a eight inch hole, uh, you got to battle. And, and the, the funny thing is about them things is they, um, they, 
they school up a lot, like almost like what bullheads would do. Uh-huh. Um, catfish will be in big clouds. When you see your Vexilar or your electronics like loaded from three feet under the ice to 20 feet down, and you're like, I'm on the mother load. You can feel your bait going down and bouncing off them things. You can't get them ones to bite. Nope. I would fight people on that one because you can't. You have to get away and around to the outside of the school. When they're huddled together, it's almost like they're just, uh, I don't know what the heck they're doing. They're not feeding at all. You have to get the ones that you can single out on the outskirts of that school and you will get them. But you set the hook on them things and it's nothing but drag when you have like a 30, 32 inch rod and you you like you see one come in. And then obviously you know how their their body is, they're not a carp, but they no. have an overbite. So, you know, they, when they come in, you know, their heads are that wide and they're at your bait. So on your electronics with the with the head and the body, they look like a bus. And but they're gonna basically go up and rest their nostril or their front of their face right on your spoon to suck that whatever you have for bait underneath there. And then literally it's like you very rarely do you feel them like hit. Yeah, it's no usually fun. one just... of those I always call it like a breathe technique for ice fishing, ice fishing them. I rest my elbow on my right on my side, and I and all you do is breathe. So every time you inhale, your rod tip just goes up barely. And then you exhale and it goes down. And what will happen is you'll inhale and your rod, when the fish is looking at your bait and your rod tip will just go. It's, and you set the hook and it's just like. Like a spring bobber almost, eek, right? Eek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're a riot, man. But uh, I'm going to try that. That's a good thing because I know exactly what you're talking about. Usually I'll know I got a catfish on there because I'm ready to give up and move to another hole. I'll pull up my line and the catfish will be there. Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to kid. That's how that's how they just sit there with it. They do yeah. nothing. They are super fun. There's been some videos. You can watch a lot of stuff online of people that have fished the catfish up here. Um, in a way, uh, I don't know what's going on. Um, I talked to the Department of Fisheries guys up here. Uh, they changed. The state used to be a five fish limit on catfish, but only one could be over like a certain inch, kind of like our walleyes. Like a slot, right? But the lake that that uh they expanded the limit to to 10 and i think that gets started to get a lot of the people from you know hours away to go well now it's worth it for me to go there plus they're fun um i don't have a good recipe i i'm sorry uh somebody want to message me and say this is how you make something to, that oh i i i every everything i've tried they're firm they're beautiful the way i flay them everything looks great as soon as they hit any sort of heat, it becomes burnt pudding. That's really? Tech, they're, everything can be great on the outside. As soon as you get the inside, it's liquid goo. Now, but uh, my wife did come up with a recipe. It was a Cajun. Um, we had to have the oil really hot. You fried them really fast. And then she made like a, a, a tongue-numbing uh, mustard. So you would dip it in mustard. And I'm like, hey, these aren't half bad. But other than that, I have not, I mean, even though I have a friend of mine that guides for them things and he uh-huh. always does like uh, fish fries for people on the ice and different things and, or sends people home and gives them the recipe. And, and he says they're good. 
And I'm like, I beg to differ. Oh. I've had I've had cat uh, channel cat through the ice twice as far as table fergs goes, and the only thing I've noticed when they're in that cold water is they have more of a metallic taste to them, and I can't really explain what it is. I didn't have any problems with like the mushy texture or anything, but there definitely was a difference. And I like catfish. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I'd, I'd take crappie or perch or walleye any day to any day to week so yep. even burbot i got finally got on some burbot last year and that's some tasty fish right there really okay oh, yeah. i'm Good interested stuff. indiana chris says what's your favorite home fishing place Corey? like what where do you like to fish the most you know and what, what do you call home i guess would be the okay full big, yeah, big lake minnesota so i'm kind of on the outskirts of minneapolis and, but i'm sandwiched in between another big city called st cloud and growing up in buffalo uh, so I'm only like eight miles from my hometown. Um, you just learn to fish those lakes and, and they go through cycles. We could talk about crappie cycles if you wanted to, but I think most of your uh, viewers probably understand that crappies kind of cycle. You can just all of a sudden, it's like, whatever happened to all these 13 inch crappies? Oh, they got fished out or whatever. And then whatever. it's like, no, they got, they got to a point where that's as big as they were going to get. They died of old age, most likely. And then you're looking at an up and coming year class. And honestly, when the gas prices got, really high yeah. i i was like i have to fish closer to home and i have lakes that are built for numbers where you know you're going to go out there and it's like if i take somebody if i guide them or something like that and they just like i just want to learn so i'm going to take people to where they're going to get multiple bites because i can teach them a lot of techniques yep before you know because otherwise it's like well do you want to or do you want to be the jim tomey and let's go swing for a 14 inch 15 inch possible 15 inch crappie on a different lake that's another 30 minutes away. So I'm kind of blessed where I'm at. And part of me thinks is a lot of these lakes, and especially we're in the, in the metro, um, I, I call it the hungry hippo effect. So, you know, you have the Minneapolis whole area and you get people and it's like, you know, it's like, I'll go here and that one's going there and that one, you know, going there. So all the lakes, in and around a certain distance get hit kind of hard and you know if you ever played hungry hippo sometimes those those necks don't go to the side so there are lakes that fall through the cracks st cloud comes down my way again there's lakes that fall through the cracks so if you want to be successful you just got to go all right yeah i understand this lake's you know got hit really freaking hard and it's probably not going to be very uh productive to go there yeah you can catch them but you go, all right, I have to look for the next one that maybe got overlooked. Or um, you can talk your classes of crappie. I've seen lakes where I'm like, I better keep my eye on that one. Nobody's been fishing it because it's been loaded with seven-inch crappies the last few years. Um, you kind of watch it, monitor it, even though you know you're going to go out and probably catch the next year a bunch of eight, nine-inchers. And then all of a sudden that next year, there they are. They're 10, 11 chance of a 12 maybe you know and so you really have to pay attention to the lakes in your area and we are kind of blessed in minnesota obviously because there's opportunity everywhere uh even if you want to try to learn rivers um granted you got to have a backup prop <laughs> a lot of times yeah but, uh, but i mean we have we have everything here and and everything fishes differently so that's super cool um i've done a couple podcasts with people and it's like, it's crazy because I have lakes very close to me that I fish docks like crazy. But if I go up to that, that area, like you mentioned, Winnebagosh, mm -hmm. 
those lakes don't have deep docks. They don't no, have they docks don't. that really hold fish. It it becomes a cabbage and a weed edge or an inside turn. And I don't want to chase basin fish because even with forward facing sonar, oh, that's a challenge. You get your track shoes on if you're ice fishing. Uh, keep your trolling motor on high if you if you're fishing them open water uh, until they really stack up like they sh- they are kind of now after the turnover. You know, they get all the fish yeah. like Ooh, I have food over here now, um, and they'll start to pile up on some you know insects or uh, bait fish that are down eating on insects everything changes when you have that thermal climb so we are kind of blessed up here so we get to fish a little bit of everything and hone our skills on whatever you want uh james ross has a question he says is ben m rods any good never heard of them i'm thinking oh, b&m b&m oh, yeah b&m is a huge company based out of i think they're actually sold yep. on bass pro yeah, I got a bunch of B and M rods too. Yeah, yeah, they're they're decent stuff. They're they're yeah. they're very very good as far as like box brand rods go. So yeah. you you can't go wrong. Anytime you can go over to Walmart and get a twelve foot graphite crappie rod if you're into doing you know some some vertical jigging, you you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, you can always step up your game. What 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 is some of your tackle of choice? What what do you like to recommend? <laughs> so, do I do is this really oh that is exactly look at you, <laughs> you got, <laughs> let, let's just tackle commercial everybody Woo! look at that uh, so there's an example of the macula tackle jig that really got my attention on, on the the podcast that i've seen Corey on check that thing out now tell us a little bit how that works it's got kind of a a strange looking eye there doesn't it yeah so i mean I, we'll, we'll we'll touch base on actual like baits um, but this is going to be a, a prelude to maybe one of the best pieces of information that I think I would possibly ever be able to give anybody. Any seminar I do, it's the same thing because uh, I was ice fishing one time and I was sight fishing and I was, I was always looking for good horizontal, okay, when the not, so basically horizontal means when your line is tied on it, your bait, see if this is my coat hanger part right here of my, 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 my my display model (laughs) but this is horizontal right but even on a traditional eyelet so a traditional round head jig when you have that Mm -hmm. much room to get your line through if you're not moves a little bit even on a traditional one you're out of horizontal okay so if this was a traditional eyelet sometimes you have to rock it further back so you can obtain horizontal so um what the reason that this is patented by myself um, is because um, mostly a larger eyelet so it's easy to get your line through so maybe ditch the cheaters or when you can't feel your hands or it's windy out or you know it's 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 wide open it's easy to get your line through but completely functional so you mentioned macula tackle this is me i'm the macula tackle guy it's a family business based out of big lake minnesota like uh, everything that we've already discussed but what's cool is other than having a large opening to get your line through, we can rotate our knot up to give a vertical, which has come in very handy for the ice fisher person. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool thing is when you rotate your knot back to horizontal. I was ice fishing once, um, again, had a different jig because I didn't have this concept yet. I didn't have macula tackle. And I would see crappies come through. I was sight fishing. So I'm looking down the hole, shallow, late, late ice. They're usually shallow. And, and I'm watching these fish. And I was like, why aren't they hitting? Like every fisherman starts going, God, maybe I, 
I got the wrong date or I got the wrong yeah, color. You go through every color in your bag, right? Yeah, All the so, nonstop. So these crappies that are in your area, by the time you'd reel up, switch a rod, tie a different jig on, whatever, there's a chance they're gone. So I was like, I remember I was like fishing. I'm like, this is a horizontal jig and why aren't I getting bit? And I brought my, my jig back up in the hole. And it was just basically like that. It was, it was not horizontal. It was that because of a traditional teeny tiny, tiny Island, which right. we always have to find another hook and break the paint open and whatever and play operation. Um, I was like, well, wait. And I brought it up and I rotated the knot. And then I'm like, try again, put that same bait down and Bam, crappie came in without hesitation. Not look at it and spin and go past it and tail and you'll see your jig spin off and stuff. And then it comes resting to again and just it was crazy to me. I'm like, that was the aha moment of horizontal being key. Now, if I fast forward just a, a, a couple of years of like I was like doing much better because I understood, especially once you factor in like especially when people say well i tried that fake bait or i tried that artificial bait i don't catch nothing on it well guess what if you put a two inch one inch minnow whatever on a traditional jig and it's hanging kind of goofy like that yep it's not going to look right to a fish so you take your fake bait whatever you got and you rotate your knot so again even if i'm not telling you know trying to sell you mac of the tackle and it's even a traditional standard eyelid horizontal is key so just your knot placement is going to make you a better fisherman so uh the story of how maca kind of started or the idea is as i was fishing with my dad uh it was like a friday night and we had gobs of fish kind of rolling through and i was fishing one hole and my dad always did the you know crappie minnow under a bobber and then he'd have his bexlar and he'd be fishing and jigging like i was doing and we were doing well and uh the crappies were switched on and and uh, also my dad had a crappie on and it was uh, wrapped on his transducer, been there. Everyone's been there, done that. And he's trying to lift this fish out of the hole and uh, ended up breaking his line. And I heard him swearing and, you know, trying to dig down the hole like uh, Walter Matthau and uh, Grumpy Old Man or something, you know, just like, <laughs> you know, diving for the green hornet, just diving for the crappie, it was gone. And uh, anyways, I, I remember I was just uh, kind of laughing at him because he was spazzing out and he was so upset and grumbling about, you know, breaking his, his jig off. And uh, I, I was sitting there and I was catching the copies and I kind of turned and looked at him and I'm like, he's just sitting there watching his bobber. And I'm like, well, why aren't you fishing? Like fishing with your second line with the jig. Well, I can't see to tie another jig on. We're almost done. So, and I'm like, what? Just give me a rod. So he hands me his rod and I, because at that point, point my eyes were good uh -huh. and i tied a jig on and we finished up some limits and stuff and went home clean fish went to bed it was like next day i was like um well that night after i went to bed i was about ready to fall asleep and i was basically asleep and i in my brain i was like why are eyelets so small on jigs anyways especially ice ones are like ridiculously small oh my gosh. yeah and so i drew basically this shape in my sleep without a head on it just a just the just like the hook uh -huh. and i was and the next day i was doing some stuff around the house and i was like closer to noon i'm like i drew something in my sleep last night what was that and i went into the room and i i was like oh my gosh and so i was scrambling like I, what do i do what do i do i have this i have this uh 125 dollar idea <laughs> i don't know we're working we're working on making a million uh uh 
a million dollar idea in the, in the future, hopefully, I don't know, but this concept and I wanted to, I was like, I, I should, it's it, to me, it immediately hit my brain. Like everyone needs this, not just, not just me, everybody in the, in the fishing worlds needs something that's easy to get your line through. And, and then uh, obviously with me being a horizontal fisherman, this is what I thought of right away. I wasn't right. really even thinking of this until I'll fast forward in a second. Yeah, I do pretty good in in that position in the winter too, especially yeah. for bluegills. They seem to love it that way. Oh, the vertical. Yeah. Yes, exactly, and that's what happened. So um, I spent some time working on the patent or figuring it out, and that was kind of pre good Google searches and trying to figure uh, out how to do this. While well, I was coaching my daughter's basketball team, spinning my wheels for about two or three years, trying to figure out anything about tackle or the fishing industry. And, um, and then one of the girls on the basketball team, her dad happened to be a patent attorney. My wife was talking to him in the stands. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. He gave me a hand and we started moving forward with the patent process. And, uh, and then it was like, he, he eventually ended up telling me that it's incredibly hard to get a patent in the fishing industry because everything's been thought of and is done. And, and I was, in a way, I didn't know this. I was like, I've never seen this. I've never seen this. I want this. And uh, so all of a sudden, you know, when you finally get everything worded and sent off to the, the patent office, office, when, you know, you're kind of waiting, you know, it's like, what's going to happen? Are we going to get it? Are we going to not get it? Or what's going to bounce back? And it came back and it was like, yep. Yeah, you can move forward with the patent process. No one else has this. I'm like, yeah. So uh, we can we can go ahead. And then basically it was like this was kind of the at that point, you know, my eyes were starting to do this little going down. And uh, the first time I ever fished one, I had to bend my own hooks because I didn't know the first thing about well, who's going to make my hooks. I don't know. I'll just bend them with some old eagle claw uh, cricket hooks. They had a really long shank, and I'd break the eyelet off and bend it to make this one and uh basically it was um pinching some lead on and going out and i remember going out with my son and he was probably let's say about seven or eight years old maybe when we were this was still before the patent but we were we had something to test and i remember going we were out on this lake close to my house and and i'm fishing like i'm pumped i'm like yeah horizontal we're there i'm down and i had fish on my vexlar and they were not biting and i'm like my jig sucks and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Again, like every fisherman does, like, well, maybe the color. Maybe it's because I'm using white. They mm-hmm. probably want, you know, you can start, you know, picking. Yeah, you going to overload. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, I reeled it up and I was like, well, wait, what if I just do this? And I dropped it back down and it was bingo, bango, bluegill, bluegill, bluegill. And I yelled over to my son. I'm like, Cole, you got to make it vertical. Go vertical. And I see him reel up go vertical and all of a sudden we're just chilly willying fish out of the hole it was like they wanted it that way and went to another lake the next day it was all horizontal went up to northern minnesota it was horizontal vertical being able to uh, shift on the fly back and forth yeah super cool yeah and we just started doing that's where our game really changed it never ceases to amaze me how those little tiny presentation differences makes a difference it's it's huge it's it's, it's it's unbelievable. It it makes you like from an okay fisherman to a pretty decent fisherman, as far as I'm, because I'm no great fisherman. I'm an okay fisherman, so we'll go that far. Yeah. But that's one of the things I've learned, and and I recognized that right away when I saw that. I was like, man, I got to get me some, and I do have yeah. some sitting over here on my desk. I got to put to use here pretty soon. So. <laughs> it's super fun. It's super fun, especially when the stories have been coming in. Um, 
not just people that, you know, have poor eyesight or anything like that. I mean, I've heard everything from uh, one gal I know was going through chemo uh, for a bunch of cancer she had. And apparently it makes your your appendages like really feel like balloons, like you can't do anything. And and um, rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis, I've heard people going, oh, my God, I can tie this one. Um, I had a friend of mine. Well, he was going to be on my pro staff, I guess. I don't know. He just was excited about my jigs like yourself. And he was like, hey, do you need someone on your pro staff? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And uh, he had, he actually had, um, oh, what the hell is it called? Shingles. And he didn't know. Oh, it. Okay. Like, That's oh. painful as heck. He wakes up one day and he's like, my eyes were like, what the heck's going on? And went to the doctor and they couldn't figure out what was going on because he didn't have the actual shingles. It was, it was, mm -hmm. it was under his skin, hadn't shown up yet, but it is on his eyes or something in his oh, eyes. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. My grandmother had that. Yeah. It's pretty horrible. So he basically only has eyesight. And it's limited eyesight out of one eye. And he's like, usually if I go ice fishing, because he's a diehard ice fisherman. And he's like, if I don't have multiple rods ready to go, if I break off, I'm done. I, you know, if I break two rods, I'm going home. And he's like, I think I could tie your jigs on. I'm like, all right. So I sent him some jigs and he's like, oh my God, this is like eye opening. And I'm like, eye opening, pun, pun, pun. <laughs> uh, but it was super exciting. And then it's cool when people grasp it, they get the concept. It helps them understand because what happens is you, if you're fishing horizontal and you catch a fish and you set the hook and you, you know, you bring that fish in. Well, now it's it's obvious to you now. Wait, right? That wasn't how I had it when I started. And it's simple as pinch the jig, rotate the knot, and you're back in business. Back in business. Um, and it, that's where um, multiple friends of mine, people that I know that have bought into my jigs and tackle, they're like, you know, I've gone out on lakes that I used to struggle on, and now I'm like. I'm like the whiz, you know, I'm the one catching all the fish and everyone's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they're like, uh, I got like, oh. friends like you. I rely on them heavily. Yes. Yeah. So sorry to be so long winded about it, but as far as no, baits, not at all, I love yeah. talking to you. Yeah. As far as baits go, uh, if you're talking about tackle, um, I'm huge on bright colored lines. Big. I mean, if, if you're a crappie fisherman, even a catfish person, them bright colored lines will help you. Neon green is my jam. I ain't even yeah. going to kid. What uh, what neon green do you use? I use eight thirty two for my catfish okay. suffix braid, and yep. then I'll use I'll use like a suffix elite or the uh, I got a cheaper version too that I just bought some uh, superior that seems to be working pretty good. And then I even for for what you know I just got a Saint Croix walleye set up, and I put even the yellow uh, eight thirty two on there. I just tie long fluorocarbon leader, and that seems to work. It just works best for me. Yeah. So. And so I'm, I'm maybe a little bit goofy um, when it comes to crappie because I used to kind of mix it up with some fire line or some bright colored super line, whatever. And uh, I, it's like some of your rods that if you were used to fishing monofilament, you get that stretch and can be a very good thing for a crappie person. Very good thing. Um, whereas, yeah, you know, if you had a softer rod then then if you're um, a fireline person it, you have to really look at what rod you're using and what you're using and, and what your style is i got rods where fireline works great like i use fireline when i'm salmon fishing on lake michigan off the shore because it casts like a dream but i'm not using it for my crappie rods i'd rather use like a suffix I, I and i've been using four four pound mono for the longest time i'm just making this switch over to like a 10 pound braid actually this year um I, I haven't used it enough to have make a judgment on it yet but 
I still use a leader on that. So uh, okay. it could be. Yeah. I don't think that crappie are line sensitive that much. Unless it's the winter. In the winter, I'm using two pound test. You know, what is it? The I, I, that's I'm a suffix fanboy. Okay. This stuff's always worked for me, so I keep using it. I haven't that's, really had exposure to too much other stuff. So every time I do a seminar, that's exactly what I tell people. You know, because they're like, Well, what line? And it's like, Well, what 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 line has worked for you in the past? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no sense. And I, I have friends that are like, oh, I'm going to try this line this year. I'm going to, somebody else was talking about this line. I'm like, did you have problems with Trilene? No. Why are you switching? Well, well this other guy's talking about P-Line, like it's so good. And I'm like, but if you haven't had, I mean, the only time I ever switch brands is if I, if it starts failing. There's no reason if you've had good luck with Dodge to just go out of the blue, I'm just going to Ford or I'm going to right. No, if, if, if it works for you, you kind of stick in that lane uh, because it's, it doesn't fail. And it's and got to either solve it's either got to solve I, I I'm of the school of thought where it's either got to solve a problem or be a super deal you can't pass up in order to try it. And then right. judgment's still going to be out on that. Yeah. Um real quick Matt Matt Calder had a question about where to get my hats. Um these hats I sell through email. I don't have any in in stock now, but I do have them on order. I got a whole bunch of hats coming in. They sell out pretty quick, and I got bay towels coming in too. I do have a merch store that has printed material, but these are embroidered. So if you're going to want them, I suggest you ring the bell notification. You check out my community tab in the next week or two. I should be able to offer them up to everybody. I do have a waiting list on them, so I got to contact those persons. It's a lot of work. So it is work. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. Uh, all right. I was gonna say I've been seeing some things pop up, even though I can't read them. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I'll read them to you. A lot of times, I'll put them up there just so it's kind of a a, a placeholder for myself and give some people an attention. This way, it it shows up in the stream on the replay and stuff. So, so yeah, yeah. See, we have got people talking smack in chat here. Here's my buddy Chad. He says it makes a ton of sense to switch from Dodge to Ford. <laughs> I'm I'm a Toyota guy. <laughs> hey, it's okay. I finally yeah. could afford one because I, it had 188,000 miles on it when I found it. So I'm driving I'm driving old stuff. I don't have anything. New. Yeah, my sister and brother from another mother, they're big Toyota fans. Chad and Lyle, they're Ford fans, so we're always going back and forth. You know, yeah, it's like the difference do. between somebody who did, like I'm an Abu fanboy as far as my catfish reels go. That's just what I've always used, and I get so much grief for that. They're like, you can get such and such for cheap, whatever. It's what I like. Leave me alone. Yeah. And it's simple. Yeah. Exactly. And I just timed Chad out for that comment too. That made me feel pretty good. Yeah. That's good. You have people looking for your merchandise because I'm, I was like, when we started our company too, and we came up with this logo, which was between my wife, my daughter, and myself, which was a lot of arguing, a lot of bickering, a lot of trying to figure out why to do this shape or how, because again, I wanted something that looked like an eye. Uh, if you look on the what's working now page, I have uh, one of our pictures is like a very close up picture of a crappie's eye. I'm infatuated with like, my God, fish's eyes are like, the most they have more colors more pearly pixely colors and stuff and and part of our logo in the middle looks exactly like that crappie eye and then obviously with having the hooks or whatever that's that's part that's everything's into our logo it's not uh, just the name and, logo. and so we were excited about it we have a lot of people like oh i love your logo or whatever it's a great looking logo i must yeah, say it, i really do like it's it it's like everyone's like well if you get some hats i'd buy some so we're like you know, scrambling with like who can get hats and of course coming out of covid 
it was like nobody had inventory. Everyone's like, well, yep. I wanted Richard Sherd 112. And I'm like, they ain't around. You know, you're, this this one company has three, they, you know, and they're waiting and they might get some in a month or whatever. So we, we were scrambling. We got some of these hats. We got some really nice flex fit hats. And next thing you know, everyone's like, if you had some flex fit hats, I'd, de- I'd definitely take one. And as soon as you like put it on your website, it's like, you know, crickets. It's like, whatever happened to like, I had a dozen people begging me for hats. I've sold two, you know. It's like, yeah, I, I, I've been through some of that today? too. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. Yeah, Vince Corbin <laughs> bought one down in Silver Lake, uh, Minnesota. So that's my second my second official uh, hat purchase on our website. Well, there you go. If you guys are looking for Immaculate Tackle hat, you can find them. I hit the link in the description for those of you listening on the audio podcast. I'm going to make sure all the links are out there. We're going to have links to Corey's uh, Facebook page. We're going to have links to uh, uh, your Facebook. Oh, I'm sorry, your tackle site, your Facebook page, your Instagram page. I got a link out there for what's working now. Tell me a little bit about that page because I really so, like that page. So. Again, in the world of um, social media and everyone is part of a group and these groups are insane, but uh, there's pages and there's, you know, and it got to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, people. I'm excited when I see you holding a big fish, but if there's not one bit of information there for me, I'm out. I just like, what's the point of going, got him today. Okay. At least tell a story with how you got him, something like that. Why am I here? So I can't, I was just so getting so frustrated and especially like some of these that like maybe are a sponsored site and it's like, we get it. You're going to talk about this X, Y, Z brand. It's, it's, it, why would I even tune in here? It's the same thing every time. I'm like, why can't people just be honest and put some fishing information, something that helps people. So I started a page by myself called what's working now. And all it is like, I go fishing, come home. Usually I'm on the couch at like 10, 11 at night, you know, trying to, edit some photos, throw something up, give somebody some valuable information and, uh, and try to be honest. And I, I try not to be like, I mean, I, yeah, I, I got a lot of Berkeley stuff and, but I'm like bright line, you know, I use Berkeley sensation, four pound solar for all my open water crappie stuff. All, not one bit of clear line every once in a while. I might throw a strand or something like that. I just haven't had a reason to buy suffix. So, and I'm like, and I tell people just same way. bright line. It's going to help you. This is what I use. But otherwise, if you are a fan of buy that, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the way we try to roll with the what's working now page. Just, and it, honestly, it's kind of my, I, I'm not a note taker. And I, and as much as my brain can remember some of my information, you lose stuff. So it's kind of my own notes. So I just get done and it's like, like, so a couple of years ago, uh, I had a really good bite of walleyes and I was like, well, how much, and it was deeper water. And I was using like a Berkeley flicker minnow and it was like, what color, you know, the next year, like two years down the road, I was like, I got to go back and do that bite again. It's like, I can't remember what, how many feet of line behind the, the, the line counter, you know, the, the, what color I was using, what size I was using. So I just dug through the what's working now page, found my post and I'm like, ah, yes. Okay. I do the same thing. It's like my other log book. I put it on there and I always leave little hints to myself about where that fish was. And I always make sure I post it on that date that I caught him. So I know where to look. So that's kind of in a nutshell, what what's working now is, and I'm getting some more people that love it and their friends and they're like, Hey, I'd love to contribute. And I'm like, great. I'd love to have someone else with, because again, I have a friend drew he's up in Otter tail County, which is, it is panfish heaven, man. If anyone is just like sick of their job, 
where they hit the lottery and they want to move the heck out of wherever they're living. Uh, Otter Tail County, Minnesota is stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. So that's where Drew, uh, Drew's up in that neck of the woods. They got a bajillion lakes and they're all good. And even if one's not great, it's still better than anything I got. So everyone's like, where's Drew at? Where's Drew at? You know, I'm like, well, he grew up in my same hometown. We're really good friends. And uh, so his posts are, but I like it because, yeah, he's getting bigger fish than me. He's getting more. He's always successful and everyone's jealous. Uh, but I love it because it's like, he's like three hours away. And it's like, we take and bounce our ideas off one another. And it's about patterns. And it's kind of crazy to me because I even take some of my patterns here in Minnesota my friend Robbie, who called earlier and disrupted my little feed, um, uh, I went because he comes up here. He actually just went home yesterday, um, and I I go down to Florida, and they don't know the first. He's a bass fisherman, and so panfish to him are like me, and and I'm like, God, my patterns up here are about the same in Florida. There's, I mean, it's about the same. I, it's so it's cool for me, and and I have a lot of people approach us and explain. They're like, thank you so much for what you do on the What's Working Now page. It's a breath of fresh air you're honest you know you answer questions yeah i'm not giving you gps coordinates who would do that but you know i'm giving you something to go off so take what we're doing to your lake and these people are coming up to me like oh my gosh you guys aren't lying why would we lie you know so it's cool to, to build something that's 100 percent genuine we don't have a sponsored ad we're not big time we don't have we're doing it basically out of the kindness of our hearts and, and just trying to be truthful with people, because if it gets us somewhere eventually, um, I'm still, I'm, I'm not going to bow to a sponsor and they probably won't like that. But I'm like, I feel there's more, is the word validity? Someone will have to look that up for me. But there's more value, I believe, if I say, you know, hey, I use this uh, Fenwick, whatever, HMX is one of my favorite mm -hmm. crop drives. It's the medium light version is about the perfect balance of everything. And, uh, but again, if you're a St. Croix fan, buy St. Croix, just try to find that medium light, trying to find that right action. And, and again, if it's too fast, go to mono, if it's too slow, go to fire. Line. But don't jump your brand. I mean, but if you're like, Hey, he's talking about this, this XYZ brand, I'm going to give it a shot. Those people always are like, thanks for the, you know, the heads up on that. I mean, I, I bought these rods and it's exactly like you said, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're taking some of the guesswork out of it so and then you know when it comes to like macula tackle um obviously if you're reading my post it's my company of course i'm gonna use my own jigs but if i was using something else i'd put it up there yeah but, it's I'm, I'm the same way i get a lot of people asking me what should i buy this or what should i do that i always you know tell them this is what i use yeah you know, buy what, what works for you, whatever makes you feel confident and go with it. You know, yeah. if it doesn't that, work for you, then you know to change plain and simple. And honestly, if you don't have confidence in it, you're not going to fish at the same. There isn't too many cheat codes in fishing. I don't care what anybody says, unless you've been in the game for a while, then you got your own cheat codes. But I got buddies that want to get on big flathead. I'll make them fish channel cats with me for a year before I even put them near any of my flathead spots. And they hate me for it, but they'll do it. They'll do it. Flatheads are special. See, oh, there's Chris from Muddy River. Chris says, I like the Muddy River rods. There you go. Susquehanna stands in the house, too. Thanks for coming in, guys. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 
hopefully we gave everyone who did tune in a lot of value and a lot of uh, uh, 100%. I've found a lot of value in our conversation and I look forward to having you. Let's see if I can't talk Lyle into having you on, on Panfish Nation here in a couple of weeks so we can definitely pick up where we left off with this because we could probably talk for like three hours, Corey. I'm telling you. And honestly, we could talk for three hours on what's working out. We could talk for three hours on everything Mac the tackle. We could talk three hours on just rods alone or something, you know, or tower or your whole setup. And then we could talk about location and presentation and water temperatures and, and, and seasonal patterns and everything. So it, it would get overwhelming. So for somebody that's maybe just tuning in or they're maybe they're up in their game, pick one thing out of everything that we have discussed tonight. Uh, maybe go to the what's working now page, start tuning in, watching a little bit. Maybe pick up a pack or two of uh, the uh, the Mac the tackle jigs just so you can see what the heck they're all about. Um, there, it's kind of like I don't know where else to really go. I have a lot going on with, in my world these days. Mac the tackle is obviously my little baby. It's something that I want to build and I want to like when I'm not on the world anymore. I want my family to be able to take this over and keep growing this this brand. And that's kind of right. Right now we have three sizes which I believe fits everything for crappies. Now, and again, everyone's like, well, I want to catch walleyes on them. And I'm like, I caught walleyes on them. I actually, a couple of weeks ago, I caught a 29 inch walleye on my size six. My size six is a one sixteenth ounce. So currently, just if people are going to, you know, look at the website, uh, the, the bigger the number, the smaller the hook, you know, it's kind of weird. So my size 10 is my smallest hook and it's my lighter jig. It's one forty eighth ounce. So it, it does a lot of very good things for you, ice and open water. My size eight hook is a one thirty second ounce, which is probably the best crappie size from yep. from north to south, whatever. It still ice fishes good, um, but it excels open water. My size six is a little bit bigger plastics, a little bit bigger hook, um, one sixteenth ounce. So. Yes, you can ice fish it. I haven't tried it. They're brand. They were brand new this summer, and and from here, I'm working on four larger sizes to go all the way up into the saltwater stuff. And I don't know what the catfish people would like because I, I I catch them usually on accident here and there on my panfish stuff. But um, that's a different game. And I, I mean, I you 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 would do you would go off for three hours on just flatheads alone, and uh, to get a hook that's strong enough and can handle getting one of them big things out of a big timber you know, pile on. A yeah. River. It gets pretty, it gets pretty hairy. Yeah. So I that's, definitely understand that's it. combat. That's combat. <laughs> It'd still be fun to fight one on them. I know a bunch of guys that have gotten them on like tackle and it's always a good time. Yeah. It takes Something. a long time, long time to get them in. Well, Corey, I want to thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate you. I really, really like what you're doing. Yeah. You have a lot of passion and I look forward to seeing big things from you in the near future here, bud. I'm hoping so. And again, if everyone has questions, find me. Find my little name right there and uh, send me a friend request, whatever. Plug into the What's Working Now page. Pretty easy to find. It's a it's not a group. It's a page. And uh, and definitely check out Macula Tackle, some of the some of the things we got going on. But thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. I got all the links in the description for the people listening on the audio on the audio platforms. Um, I appreciate you all. Thank you very much. Thanks everybody for the support and the super chats. You guys are awesome. Have a great night. Get out and do a little fishing, right, Corey? Oh, I, I just filled up my boat again. <laughs> there you go, that boy. All right, have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Right, take care, everybody.